Thanks for joining us for today's message. We're always encouraged to hear about how God is using Adventure Church to speak and work in your life. If you've got a story you'd like to share, please do so on adventurechurch.tv slash mystory. Also, if you'd like to support Adventure Church financially, you can do that online and help us bring messages just like this one to you each and every week. Now let's prepare our hearts to hear a word from God. Well, good morning, everyone. Great to see all of you this morning. If you are new today, again, welcome. We're so honored that you're here. My name's Kyle. I'm the lead pastor here. We've been in a series the past couple weeks called A Thrill of Hope, and we've looked at how God provides hope for us, even if we feel helpless sometimes, that we're never hopeless. We're never without hope because Jesus came at Christmas, and he lived a sinless life, and then he willingly and voluntarily gave up his life for you and me, went to the cross, defeated death, rose from the grave, and because of a resurrected Savior, we now have life through him and life everlasting. And so we've been talking about no matter what we face, whether it's in our past, whether it's in our presence, and today we're going to be looking at our future, that no matter what we face, we face it with hope because God is with us, Emmanuel. God is with us and we have hope through him. As I was thinking about future, you know, really the the biggest hindrance of hope for our future, I believe, is fear fear and worry. It just really can paralyze us. And as I was thinking about uh, fear and those kind of things, uh, can I just be honest with you this morning? I was kind of a wimpy kid, okay? Anybody else a wimpy kid? Just be honest. Yeah, I was kind of wimpy. You know, I was a mama's boy. I used to worry all the time. My mom thinks it's cute, but like I used to have to call my mom every day to tell her to be careful driving home from work or I thought something bad would happen to her if I did not call her, right? And you're like, oh, I'm like, dude, it gripped me though. It was not, it was not cool. I was fearful and, and I would get scared of TV shows, right? Like still to this day, the opening song to Unsolved Mysteries just gets me right. Anybody else like remember that show just would creep me out and like I'd, I'd be thinking like whatever serial killer was, was on the loose was in my backyard and so I had to make sure that, that all the blinds were closed perfectly and that no one could see in and, and I would go and I would hide under the covers, right? My kids still do that to this day. We think if we can just hide under the covers that everything will kind of disappear and that we're safe but that's what fear does to us, right? Fear really does bring paralysis to our lives. And as we think about our future and moving towards our future, our future is something that we're moving towards. And we know through God's word that he has an awesome future for us. He has a plan for us and that he's, he's always working everything to our good, but, but we have to move towards that future. We have to take steps to our future with him and and fear and worry is a hindrance of hope for our future where it can really paralyze us. And on a side note today, I just want to encourage you this week on Wednesday, we start our Christmas services on the 23rd at 7 p.m. and then two on Christmas Eve at four and 5.30. And there are people that you know that are, that are literally paralyzed in fear. Whether it's a fear of God and, and believing that he's disappointed in them or that, that if they ever came to church that God would, you know, do something to them because of what they've done or, or maybe they're just afraid of what they'll encounter when they get to a church and the fear of the unknown. And so I just want to encourage you. This time of year, Christmas time, even greater than Easter, people are, are willing to go to church. 
They're looking for hope. The, the whole idea of Christmas is about hope and they need people to bring them. They're paralyzed. They literally need someone to bring them with them. And so I just want to encourage you, take advantage of this time of year. Someone that you've been praying for, a friend, a family member, and just say, come to church with me. Come to church with me. I'll pick you up. Whatever we got to do, get him to a service. We believe God's going to show up in a powerful way and that he's going to bring hope to them. It's a very basic message. The whole service will only be an hour in length. And we promise you it will be encouraging and uplifting. And we're believing for many people to come to know Jesus and his hope. But they don't come unless you bring them. So I want to encourage you, do that. Amen? That means so be it, by the way. If you just said amen, you said so be it, I'm in. I'm going to do it. So as we talk about our hope and as we look at hope in regards to our future, I think we first have to see kind of what hope is not. What are the hindrances to our hope? And the first thing is fear. And Mr. Webster says fear is is an anxiety, a feeling of anxiety concerning the outcome of something or the safety and well-being of someone. And then worry is to give way to anxiety or unease, allowing one's mind to dwell on difficulty or troubles, right? So fear is a feeling of anxiety and worry is giving way to that feeling, allowing it to dictate our lives. So worry, in, in, in other words, it's surrendering to our fears, allowing our fears to take control of us, giving way to those things. And the Bible is very clear in Romans 12. It says that we are transformed by the renewing of our minds, Right? So the mind is a very powerful thing that has the power to transform you, to pursue hope, to pursue God and his future. And so if we allow our mind to dwell on our fear, worry, man, it's going to keep us from being transformed and pursuing all that God has for us. Jesus says this over and over again in the gospel. He tells his followers and tells his people and throughout scripture, God's always telling his people, he says, do not fear. Do not be afraid. There's always something that kind of floats around on Instagram or Facebook that says, God says, do not be afraid or do not fear 365 times in the Bible. And that gives you every day of the year, God is reassuring you that you don't have nothing to be afraid of. So I did a little research on that. Unfortunately, that's just not true. Okay, um, it's just not true. Uh, there's some context where there's fear and it's, it's not into do not fear. There's other things going on where fear is mentioned that many times in scripture, but it's not about us not allowing our fear or worry to overtake us. But as I did some research, it does say it over 145 times, right? So I think that's still pretty good, right? That God's trying to get something through to us. If he puts it that much in his word and he's trying to communicate a message to us that he must have known the struggle that we would have with fear and anxiety and worry. And the the beautiful thing is, is that God's word is full of reassurance to you that you do not have to be afraid. Look at your neighbor and say, fear not. Participate, okay? Look at him again. Say, fear not. You can say that with authority and with power, not because of you, but because of Jesus. Jesus offers his followers an alternative to worrying, a prescription that actually works. And if we look at this passage where Jesus tells his followers today, we're really going to just look at one passage where he tells his followers, don't be afraid, don't worry. And it's very, very practical. Today, I don't have any cute little, you know, acronyms that you can, are easy to remember. I'm just going to break down this passage. We're going to go through it step by step, really look at what it says, what it means to you and me, and then apply some of these truths to our lives. And I believe if we do that, it can be a game changer. So in Matthew chapter six, and we're going to start in verse 25, 
Jesus is teaching here, and he just got done talking about money. This was the passage where he said, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will also be. And he talks about, man, that we need to trust God with our finances, that we need to put our faith in him and and believe that he's going to take care of that. Then he gets into this whole worry thing, and this is where he starts, verse 25, Jesus' words to us today. He says, this is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food or drink or clothes to wear, isn't life more than food? Isn't your body more than clothing? He's telling his followers, he's outside teaching, okay? So imagine we're outside today. Imagine it's spring and there's birds flying around. And Jesus is telling these people, why do you worry about everyday life? Whether you have enough food, whether you have enough drink, enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food? Isn't your body more than clay? He says, look at the birds. So literally he's telling them, look at these birds that are flying around us right now. He says, they don't plant, they don't harvest, or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And he says, aren't you more valuable to him than they are? Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. So Jesus is saying here, he goes, why would you worry about this stuff? This stuff is all future stuff. This worry is all in the future. It's all about what's happening next, what's going to happen, what could happen. And he goes, and he talks about kind of the basic necessities of clothing, food, and housing. Look, for most of us in this room, that's not an issue that we have to worry about, right? We have a place to live. We have enough food to eat. We have clothes. You're wearing them today. Thank you for wearing your clothes to church. We really do appreciate that. But we don't have to worry about those things. But we have other worries. We have other things that we could plug in here for what Jesus is teaching these people. They had to worry about this stuff. But for us, maybe Jesus would say, why do you worry about your kids so much? Why are you so fearful about what could happen to them? Why are you so worried about your finances? Why do you allow that to dominate you and dictate the decisions that you make? Why are you so worried about your marriage? If you would just pursue me, I will be involved in that. And in your health, why are you so concerned about what could happen to you? That you could get something, that you could come down with an illness or a disease and college for your kids, right? That's something that I struggle with a little bit. I'm thinking, man, the current rate of inflation with college, like when my daughter gets there, it's going to be like a half million dollars to get a degree, right? I'm like, I Unless God, you know, multiplies my bank account, that's probably never going to be able, something I'll be able to provide my kids. But we can worry about those things, our jobs and in our country right now, right? Like last night on a Saturday night, prime time, they got a debate on TV. I'm like, man, I could care less about this debate, right? In, in our world, though, but people get locked into it. Why would they put that on a Saturday night prime time? Because people are afraid. They're wondering what's going to happen. We have an election year coming up. And I'm not saying we shouldn't concern ourselves with these things, but we definitely shouldn't allow them to control our lives and terrorism and ISIS and all these things that are happening in our world. And Jesus looks at you, and he looks at me, and he says, don't worry about all that stuff. That's all about the future. And he goes, isn't life more then all that stuff that you're worrying about, isn't it bigger than that stuff? And then Jesus compares us, people, humans, to nature. He starts comparing these people he's talking to to the birds that are flying around them. And he's going, these people, these, these birds, they, they can't even make their own food. They can't provide for themselves, yet they're never, they never go without. Yet God provides and takes care of them. He goes, the lilies of this field, they're only good for a season. They come and they go and then they're dead. 
And he goes, aren't you more valuable to them? These things don't get to plan. They don't get to sow and, and reap a harvest. And you see, that's the thing for you and me that just we can rest assured even in that fact is that we do have the ability to prepare. We do have the ability to plan. We do have the ability to sow. So I'm saying today, by the, I'm not saying just, you know, just toss all your cares with the wind and go, hey, whatever happens, happens, and you're just going to live this carefree life and not take care of your responsibilities. That's not what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, look, you need to, you need to sow where you need to sow. You need to work. You need to prepare. You need to save. You need to be wise. You need to do those things. And, but he's, what he's saying is, he goes, so you take care of what you can control. What you can control today, you take care of it. Do your best. Invest the best of what you have into that. Do that thing. But the rest of it, the future stuff, he goes, let me take care of that. Let me handle that for you. And we can trust God with that and give the rest to him. He goes on in verse 30. And he says, and if God cares so wonderfully for these wildflowers that are here today, thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. And then he goes, why do you have so little faith? He's talking to his followers here. He goes, after all the stuff I've done, all the lessons, all the miracles, all this stuff, he goes, why do you still struggle to believe what I'm telling you? But don't we struggle with that today? Don't we struggle to take these words to heart? To trust God with our lives, to trust God with our families, to trust God with our future, to have hope for our future? And that's the question we have to ask ourselves. Do we really trust that God can and that God will take care of us. Do you really believe that? Do you really believe that God is with you? And since he is with you, you have nothing to fear. If he's done what he's done for nature, aren't you more valuable to him than that? Weren't you created in his image? He didn't create a bird to look like him. He created you and me. We're, we're, we're above nature. We have authority over nature. And he goes, Aren't you more valuable than all of them? We're made in his image. Can we not trust God who has our future in mind? Can we not trust him with it? And then he combines these two Greek words here. You of little faith. And and what it actually means is you little faithers you. (laughs) Jesus is kind of getting at these people a little bit. He's like, you little faithers you. You type of people. He goes, "I, I just don't understand it that you could still doubt. How big is God? How important are you? Why would you worry? Why would you not trust him? Verse 31, he says, so don't worry about these things. Saying, what will we eat? Again, we've plugged something else in there. What will happen with my kids? What will happen with my health? What's gonna happen with my future? He says, look, you can do nothing about tomorrow's concerns. You can do nothing about it. So why would you go to tomorrow, drag those concerns into today? And when we do that, that's what we do. When we worry, when we're fearful, we go to tomorrow, we grab stuff from our future, we bring it into today, and it can begin to overwhelm us. And the fear of tomorrow will steal the joy of today. So God's people are paralyzed in fear. There's no joy in their life because they're so worried about their future. So God's saying, don't drag those concerns into, in, from tomorrow and today. God will handle your tomorrow. Jesus said, you just take care of today. You do what you can do today. You serve me. You put me first. You love me. You trust me. You handle what you can handle because we can handle that. We can control our mind. We can control our actions. We can control the choices that we make. He goes, you just focus on that. That's enough trouble for you, right? That's enough trouble for you guys. 
just to, just to get through the day. That, that's enough. You guys struggle with that, okay? So don't worry so much about tomorrow. Verse 32, he says, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Those people who haven't put their hope in me. The people who don't believe in me. He goes, that's, those are the people that, that struggle with worry and fear. Your heavenly father already knows everything you need. So seek the kingdom of God. This is his, this is his application. So he's telling these people a little faith. Why, do, why, 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 why would you? Why do you do this? Why do you fret so much? Why do you put all this concern on the future? Why are you doing all this stuff? He goes, those are the things that should dominate people who don't believe. But you guys are my followers. You believe me. You believe in me. So he goes, so this is what you need to do. Okay, when you're tempted to worry and all this stuff, seek the kingdom of God above everything else. Seek his kingdom first and live righteously. Pursue righteousness. Just try to live right. Do your best to follow God's word. And he said, and God will give you everything that you need. That God will take care. He knows all that you need. And if you seek his kingdom and you make that your concern today, all that stuff you worry about, God's gonna take care of it. He knows what you need and he'll provide everything that you need. This word seek actually means run, that we are to run after the things of God. And he says, people who have no concept of God, who have no belief in God, he goes, they chase after all this other stuff. What they'll wear, what they'll eat, what they'll drink, all these things that they worry about. He goes, they dominate the thoughts of those who don't believe. But your heavenly father already knows all that you need. So why would you run after that stuff when you have the opportunity to run to him? So run to him. Seek him first, and he promises with all the other stuff to handle it, to take care of it. It's a benefit we have of knowing God. So what if we were 100% confident in that truth right there, that God knows everything that you need? He knows everything you need. What if we believed that truth 100%? What if today you could hear the voice of God Because this is the voice of God. This is God's word to us. These words are in red in your Bible, which means Jesus said them. What if you could hear God say that to you today? What if God could whisper in your ear? When you think about those fears, when you think about those worries, and you could hear God whisper in your ear, you go, God, I need this. God, I don't know what's going to happen. And you're praying, you're singing. And he goes, yeah, I know. I know. I know what you need. Yep. Check, check, check. Got it. And you could hear God whisper that to you today. I know what you need. I got it. It's all good. I got it. But if that's going to happen, if God does have it, if he is going to get it for us, we have to seek after him. We have to run after something entirely different than what we want to run after. You see, worry is about chasing things that you never catch. And because it's in tomorrow and we can't control tomorrow, then it dominates us. And he says the unbelievers run after that stuff. But here's what you need to do. You need to seek first the kingdom of God and all these things, the future, I'll take care of it for you. They will be taken care of. Not they might. He said they will be taken care of for you. So how do we do that? How do we do that? Listen, when you're tempted to worry, when you're tempted to allow fear to control you, to give in to your fears and to worry and to dwell on those things, when you're tempted to borrow from tomorrow, to go in tomorrow to pull that back, look for a way to participate in what God is doing today. That's what we do. We seek God's kingdom first. I'm tempted to worry. So when you, you begin to worry about your kids, pray for someone else's kids. 
then you're involving yourself in God's kingdom. You're seeking God's kingdom. When, that, hey, they're dealing with the same things I'm worried about. That worry, Jesus is saying, worry should trigger kingdom concern for you and me when it comes to seeking God's kingdom first. And so if worry triggers kingdom concern, we go, look, I'm not just going to pray. I'm, I'm going to pray about other people that are struggling with this. I'm going to pray about these other things. I'm going to seek God's kingdom with this. I'm not going to worry about tomorrow because Jesus is handling that for me. This says that God will take care of your tomorrow. And then verse 34, he says, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. And today's trouble is enough for today. So Jesus says, quit borrowing from tomorrow. Quit worrying about tomorrow. It's all in the future. So then you need to tell yourself when worry comes to your mind and heart, the practical application here, I know it's not profound, but when you're tempted to worry and that comes in your mind, you go, that's tomorrow. Jesus told me not to worry about tomorrow. My heavenly father is already in tomorrow. And he told me I don't have to worry about that, that that he has that. He's going to take care of that. So we have to believe that truth, that your heavenly father is with you today. He's with you right now. And he will be waiting on you tomorrow. He's already there. What if you believed that? 100% fully confident in the fact that God is with you now and he's waiting on you tomorrow. That God knows what you need and he's going to take care of it for you. What if we fully believe that? Jesus said in John 14, 1, he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. So don't let your hearts be troubled. You believed in God. That's what he's telling these people. Now you believe in me. And he says, this is what I give you. I give you peace. I give you joy. You don't have to let your hearts be troubled. You don't have to be afraid. Then Jesus left these people that he was teaching this lesson to. He went to the cross, he died, and he rose from the dead. And then this whole idea of fear, this whole idea of worrying about tomorrow made perfect sense to his followers. You know why? Because when someone predicts their own death and resurrection and tells you not to worry, you believe them. He was the son of God. He says, you don't need to worry. Who of you, Jesus said, can add a single hour to your life? Who of you can add a single hour to your loved one's life? By worrying. It's going to rob you of today. It's going to steal your joy today. He says, so therefore don't worry. Your heavenly father will see you tomorrow. And if you trust him with tomorrow... He will take care of it for you. As we invite the band up and as we close out our time together this morning. But I I know where some of you are at. And I know that some of you are facing some big fears. And they're they're right in front of you today. And you go, Kyle, I get get that. It's it's very motivating. But but you say, I'm... I shouldn't be afraid. Jesus tells me not to be afraid. But how can Jesus say that? If God knows what I'm facing, if God knows the issues that I'm facing, if God knows what's, what's kind of waiting on me in my future, how can he tell me not to be afraid? Here's what I think you need to make sure you understand. What he's saying is, is what Jesus is saying, he's like, it's okay to be afraid. 
But you don't have to be afraid even when there's something to be afraid of. It's okay to have things that you're afraid of. That's natural. You're human. But you don't have to be afraid even when there's something to be afraid of. Look, the disciples never learned this lesson either. They were like you and me, right? There's a story where this Jesus is telling his disciples to, to go out. He goes, we got to get away. Jesus was always withdrawing from the crowds. He was very popular, right? Someone who starts healing people and sick people. They, the crowds followed him everywhere. Jesus would need to get away. And so he tells his disciples, let's get in the boat. We need to get out of here. And Jesus is sleeping in the boat. And this huge, they, they run into like a hurricane pretty much, the Bible says. And the waves are crashing over the boat. And they're, the disciples are fearful. They're fearful they're going to die. And they're like, Jesus is just in the back of the boat. He's sleeping. What is he doing? Doesn't he know what's going on? And they go and wake him up. And they go, Jesus, wake up, wake up. We're about to die. And Jesus wakes up. And he goes, oh man, here we go again. These guys still don't get it. Did you forget who's in the boat, guys? I'm trying to get some rest here. You guys are waking me up. And then he goes, peace, be still. And the wind stops. And the waves stop. And the disciples who were once fearful of the storm going on around them, they weren't afraid of that anymore. You know who they became afraid of? Jesus. And they said, who is this guy? That even the wind and the waves listened to him. And at that moment, they knew again, he's the son of God. He has all power. He can do anything he wants. And all of a sudden, they had this reverent fear, reverent fear of God, a good fear, a healthy fear of God. Going, oh my God. He is the Messiah. He is the one. But yet, they were in the boat. They saw Jesus do that. They saw these other things. And all the way up until Jesus' death, they struggled with this concept. They all bolted on him, right? Jesus is getting ready to be crucified. He's standing before Pilate, and he's got all these things going on, and he's being beaten, and, and they run up to Peter. Peter was Jesus' boy. He was his best friend. He was the one who Jesus said, you're the one, Peter. I'm going to build my church on you. You're the guy. I'm giving everything. I'm handing the keys to the kingdom to you. When I leave, it's all on you. And Peter goes, I don't even know him. He was so afraid. Even after he saw Jesus do all this stuff, he was so afraid that he denied Jesus three different times. So you go, Kyle, if they didn't get it, how are we going to get it? But they do end up getting it. So Jesus... They, they, his, his followers struggled with this until after the Gospels. In the book of Acts, we see these fearless men come onto the scene. And these followers of Jesus are, are now fearless. And you go, well, why? What was the difference? Because the ultimate enemy of death had been defeated. Again, Jesus came, he predicted his own death and resurrection, and then did what he said he was going to do. And so it wasn't another miracle that he performed for them. It wasn't another sermon or lesson that he gave that they finally got it. They saw a resurrected Savior in the flesh. He came back from the dead. And they go, you are the Son of God. You are the one. You do have all power. And Jesus defeated death. You see, seeing a resurrected Savior changed everything and when they lost their fear of death they feared no more and all of his followers all of his disciples the apostles all of them went on to be martyred for their faith except one and they tried to kill him and he miraculously survived they all died for him who would be willing to die 
when before they were running away. They were denying him and then they went and died for him. Who would be willing to do that unless they saw a resurrected, resurrected Savior? Today, you and I serve the same God. We serve the same Jesus. And his words that he preached to these guys are the same words that he's preaching to you and me today. Seeing a resurrected Savior changed everything. And the early followers of the church, they got this. They got it. And they died and they faced persecution and hardship. They did everything they could to promote this gospel of love that Jesus had because they got this fact right here. I don't even have to fear death. Paul said to die is now gained because he defeated death. And Jesus says that to you and me today. You say, well, how can he say fear not? Because he knows I'm afraid. How can he say that to me? And he can say to you, fear not, in spite of an unknown future. One, because he's already there. Because he's already in tomorrow. And you don't have to be afraid, even though there's something to be afraid of, because Jesus says, I am with you. I am in control. And I will walk with you the rest of your days. And I have conquered death. And as my follower, you need not fear what I have conquered. It's done. You see, because if you fast forward all of your fears, where do they go? Death, right? That's the ultimate fear, isn't it? Health, concerned about my health because I could die. I'm afraid for my kids because something could happen and they could die. I'm afraid for my finances because if we go without and something could happen, I could die. All of our fears fast forward to death and Jesus goes, I conquered it. Because if you're my follower and you've put your hope in me, you have hope for your future because your future doesn't end in this world. It carries on to another world because you and me, because of Jesus, we never really die. We just go somewhere better. Now look, I don't want to die, but I'm not afraid to die. I don't want to leave this earth yet. I don't want to leave my wife. I don't want to leave my kids, but I don't fear death. And if something were to happen to me and I'd be gone, God's with them. They don't have to fear because he's with them. Jesus conquered death. We don't have to fear. So today as we close, think about it. What's your greatest fear? What keeps you awake at night? What paralyzes you with fear? Today, I want you to hear God say to you, like he said to these people, fear not, I'm with you. You never walk alone. You never go anywhere alone. I am with you. Fear not, I'm with you. You see, you need to remember who is with you. You need to remember what he did. And the one who defeated death, our greatest fear, is with you and me. But here's the the important thing today that I hope you can walk out of here. You see, most of the time, our fears scream louder than our faith. They're loud. And if we continue to listen to them and continue to give them our attention, they will dominate us, regardless of what you believe. So today, I want you to focus your attention off of that. You see, what gets your attention will determine your direction. Whatever you're focused on, that's where you're going to go. That's where you're going to walk. So if you're still focused on your past, you're walking backwards. If you're allowing your present storm to overwhelm you, you're going to stay right where you are. And as you move towards your future, if you're focused on your fears and your worries, you're never going to be where God wants you to be. So we focus on Jesus, the one who says in his word over and over again, you have nothing to fear. 
You have nothing to worry about because I am with you. So we focused on him. We trust in him. Look, we don't know what the future holds. None of us do. But we know the one who holds the future. Right? So we don't rest in what we know. Proverbs says you don't lean on your own understanding in all of your ways. You acknowledge him. You seek his kingdom first is what Jesus said. And I'll take care of everything else. He will direct you. He will lead you. Deuteronomy 31.8 said, do not, be defra- do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord will personally go ahead of you. Isn't that awesome to think that Jesus is already waiting on you for Monday morning? He's already there. He's already gone ahead of you. The Bible says he's preparing a way for you. He's laying out the path for you. And if we focus on him, our direction will be following after him. He's already ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you, nor will he ever abandon you. You see, we have to remember that peace that God brings isn't the absence of conflict. Life is challenging. It's difficult. But it's the presence of God, no matter the conflict. Emmanuel, God is with us. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. As we close out with this song today, I was thinking, you know, Riley's growing up too fast. And there was a time, and she still does randomly, but there was a time where it was almost a weekly basis that Riley would run into my room at night. As annoying as it was, I loved it because I loved being her dad and I loved being able to comfort her. But she'd come to my room and she'd stand by the side of my bed and she'd whisper, Daddy, Daddy. I'd say, what, Riley, what's going on? I had a bad dream. And I'd just say, okay. And I didn't say anything else. I didn't ask her what her dream was about. I didn't try to preach a sermon to her and tell her that she didn't have to fear, that she should just go back to bed, that God was with her, right? I'm, I was a good dad. And I just pulled the covers back. I said, get on in, baby. She laid on my pillow next to me, and she immediately went back to sleep. Why? Because it was the presence of her father that calmed all of her fears, Right? She didn't need a lesson. She didn't need scripture. She just needed to know daddy was close by. And when she got into bed, just my presence would calm her fears. They would bring her peace and she would go right back to sleep. Today, the Prince of Peace has come. He came. Christmas. He came so you could come to him. What gets your attention will ultimately determine your direction. And Jesus extends that invitation to you. He's a way better dad than me. And he says, why do you worry? Just just come to me. Hang out with me. Get in my presence. He's in the boat. And today he invites you to come. Regardless of what baggage you have, what issues you have, it doesn't matter. Jesus says, just come. And I believe today that his presence will calm all of your fears. That if you give him your attention, if you focus on him, that it really could be a game changer for you. Your future is bright. God's word is certain of that. He's got a great plan. And you can trust him with it. He's already there. He's already in tomorrow. So don't get wrapped up in today and the fear and the worry. Give it to Jesus. Today, typically we would stand and sing this song, but this song is more about God's word to you than it is about you singing to him. And so today I want you to receive this song. I want you to take in the lyrics. I want you to sense God's presence and his strength in your life because he is with you. He's here right now. He'll be with you when you leave. He'll never leave you. But you can come to Jesus. He 
came for you so you could come to him. So what do you need him to be for you this morning? What do you need Jesus to help you with? What do you need Jesus to speak peace to in your life? What fear do you need him to say, stop, be still? You can come to him. He's all that you need. Would you maybe even just close your eyes, maybe just so you can focus in, and as the band closes out with this song, and just take whatever you have, whatever you need Jesus to be, allow him to be it for you in this moment.